This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Hello and welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. I'm your host, Anna Hawkin, and I'm the ministry lead for the Parenting for Faith team. This is episode seven of season three, and we are so glad that you are with us. Now, if you are listening on the day that this comes out, on the 14th of June, then you are still in time to catch our Facebook Lives tonight. Rachel Turner is going to be doing age-specific sessions on celebrating what makes your family unique. Every family is different. We say that all the time in Parenting for Faith. But sometimes it can be hard to know how to lean into that, how to find what works for your family. What's your purpose? How do you like doing things? What traditions and rhythms and routines and just fun things do you want to do together um, to explore that and figure out how you connect as a family and connect with God? So if you're listening after the 14th of June and you've missed that, you can still catch up on our Facebook page. We leave all our videos up so you can always watch back on demand. And we've also got a Facebook Live for leaders, a lunch with leaders on Wednesday the 15th of June called Volunteergate. Where did everybody go? So if you're a leader or you know a leader who's struggling with lack of volunteers or how to organise them at the moment, do point them to that. And exactly the same, you can watch that back as well if you've missed it. But today we are going to be hearing from Ian Nash. Now Ian Nash is a longtime fan and friend of Parenting for Faith. He's on our speaking team, so you can book him to come and uh, run an event or speak at your your church uh, training event or conference or whatever you want to do. But he's recently become the Children and Families Minister at St Michael's in Stoke Gifford. And we asked him to chat to Lucy Moore, who is the head of the Growing Faith Foundation for the Church of England. Now, many of you will know Lucy as she was the founder of Messy Church, uh, another BRF ministry. And at the time Ian did this interview, he and Lucy both had different jobs. So I've had to cut off the introduction, but he introduced her as the matriarch of Messy Church and the godmother of Glitter and Glue. And I can't think of a better description for Lucy. Um, And they really chatted about how can parents and children spend time together and learn from each other. Thinking about Messy Church, but in other contexts as well. And particularly what that looks like coming out of lockdown and the period that we've been in. Uh, So I'm going to hand over to Ian and Lucy in a moment. Um, But then for our question and answer section today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, We're going to look at Father's Day from the perspective of a single parent family. So we're not answering a specific question, um, but we've had someone write anonymously about the experience of Father's Day as uh, from being a single mum. And I just think this would be really helpful for all of us to hear Um, If that's something you're journeying with and that's what your family situation looks like, I hope you'll find this encouraging and helpful and you'll just feel really seen and heard. Um, And if you are a family that has a father in it at the moment, I hope this will really just help us to look around to the people in our church and our community who might struggle with Father's Day and might find it difficult um, and just think about how we can love and support them better. And then, as usual, we are going to have a question to ask your kid to start an interesting conversation. But I'm going to hand over now to Ian Nash and Lucy Moore. Hello, Lucy. Hello, Ian. (laughs) 
Well, Lucy, I, I just wanted to take the next few moments to discuss and look at the importance of the pedagogical method of learning together through shared experiences. And I'm particularly thinking about parents and carers who might be listening into this podcast and perhaps how they can benefit from that way of learning in a church environment. And I hope that our discussion will go some way to perhaps unlocking some great ideas that both children's workers and uh, that they can use in their sessions, but also that parents and carers can do at home. Sure. Um, so just to start, um, I've been thinking, you know, I'm a dad of two boys. One is three and the other is 10 months. And I've realised that one child was born in, lo- um, one in lockdown and the other has been in lockdown nearly half his life. Um, and I found it actually really tough going parenting both in a kind of general context um, as well as a faith context in that time. And I kind of attribute that to the sort of sudden disappearance of key groups in a church such as Messy Church um, and the opportunity those groups bring to share my experiences with other parents at these groups. So I was wondering from your experience through your involvement over many years with Messy Church, just how important is shared learning and providing space to be able to learn side by side? Well, I'm going to say, aren't I? I'm going to say it's absolutely vital <laughs> yes. because that's that's what we do. Um, but it, it genuinely it does seem to provide something that a lot of parents and carers want and a lot of children enjoy and a lot of churches really, really get. Um, they, they can do it and... And we can see the, the fun that people have and, um, and the way they keep coming back um, for more, which, you know, which says an awful lot. And I, I think for me, it's something about the really simple, a lot of messy churches about um, nonverbal messages, uh, because, you know, you've got people there who are perhaps, um, English as a second language or who um, who are pre-verbal, who are just learning to talk. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of what you communicate isn't, isn't just through words or however important words are. And there is something about um, saying, basically you're saying, I love you, I think. When you sit down with another person of whatever age and you... You, you, share, um, you share a moment with them. Uh, and, and in messy church, that's usually around either eating or worshipping you know, in the celebration or by making something together, doing, doing something with your hands or with your other parts of your body together. Um, and you're, you're effectively saying, you're worth my time. You, you are special to me. You are somebody I want to hang out with. You, you, you're worth me having all these bits and pieces and all this trouble that I've taken to, to prepare this. Um, and it's for you. And, and you're the person I want to be with. And <laughs> you're saying that without actually saying, I love you and you're a valuable human being. Um, so, yeah, I think doing things together um, yes. is vital. Absolutely vital. Yes. Groups are just an excuse of of getting people together with some sort of framework around it and and helping people to 
just just be human beings, be, you know, in our case, be be Christian human beings, Jesus followers, alongside each other. And, and you know, you can have that sort of conversation, can't you? You can, and it's, it's you know, <laughs> all you're saying is, here are my values, um, and I'm listening to your values, and I'm endorsing what you believe and who you are. So, yeah, the groups, is, we've missed them so much, haven't we? <laughs> yes, we really have, Lucy. I, I can't tell you. And even actually just from a, a point of view of a parent as well, as a children's yes. pastor, being able to take my kids to stuff and see how it's helped them interact with other children has been so valuable. It really has. So valuable. And, and you know, for me as an adult, my kids are in their 20s now, in their late 20s, and there's no sign of grandchildren. We, we have a grand dog, but that's as near as we get. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, from the point of view of an adult who, who loves hanging out with children and teenagers uh, and not, not having any opportunity to do that until the last few months, that's been really hard for, for, for me as an adult as well. Um, you're probably thinking, oh, I'd love a few hours without my children underfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a happy medium, isn't there? <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. I think, I, I think, honestly, yes, I think you're probably right there, yes. Um, but uh, also, you know, just thinking about um, church groups, and I know there will be children's and families workers and church leaders who will be listening into this podcast, uh, Lucy. I was just wondering what practical ideas or examples could you give to encourage them to help frame perhaps what is happening at church so that parents and carers who are coming can engage with what's going on they can feel comfortable in their surrounding of church and to help give them a platform perhaps to share and learn from each other one thing that came out of the research that the church army did with us um, on on messy church discipleship uh, was was really valuable, not just for Messy Church, I think, but for, for everybody. Um, and and that, that thing was very, very simple, that if you, if you want to make the most of, of your Messy Church in terms of growing disciples, um, to do it reflectively. And, and there is something about, um, about coming away from a group and just saying to the other group leaders or to somebody that you trust, um, where did we see God at work in that? And, and it's a really simple question. And people will take it at all sorts of different levels and, and, and of course, see, see different things um, about, you know, and interpret things in different way, in different, different ways. But that really simple question of, of expecting to talk afterwards about, where did we see God at work? I think is transformative in the, in, in the way that we, we go into the next one as well. Because if, you, if it starts to be a habit of saying, oh, we're going to think about this afterwards, and we're not just going to put everything up and get all the drinks out and, and put everything away again, clean it down and tidy up and hoover up, but, and then go away again. But we're actually going to just pause and and think about why we did this and what we saw and um and just just bounce that off each other and it it's it changes the way that you do what you do and i think that's that's hugely valuable and and makes space for people to 
it, to share faith actually in amongst the team um, because you, you, your experience of God is perhaps going to be different from the, the person who's been a Christian longer than you or for less time than you. Um, and, and, and together you, you start working out a language of, of where you see God at work. And, um, and for when you're dealing with, with families, <laughs> of course, that's in all sorts of different ways. And it might be in the conversation you have with a child where the child actually shares something about God that you'd never thought of before or, or does something in a certain way. Um, or it might be with an adult that you've, you've been able to, just, like, like you for the lady, um, thinking about, worrying about, about Christmas and materialism. You know, perhaps you're the vo voice of God or, or you've made space just to care for somebody and, and alleviate a worry. So I think just simply um, being reflective and just, and that can come across as just where did we see God at work in this? Is, is a really valuable way of framing what you're doing. Would you would you do that? Um, would you intentionally ask that question almost straight away afterwards, or a couple of days afterwards, from your experience? Um, well, it... <laughs> toddler groups are very like messy church in that afterwards you're completely wiped out, aren't you? And you you and you probably you may even have toddlers underfoot yourself. And, <laughs> sure. So so it's not always the best time to ask it straight afterwards, but that can capture things that get forgotten otherwise. Um, so uh, planning meetings are, are really a really good time uh, for that. But but only if you if you're in the habit of of, of thinking, oh, you know, I need to notice, I need to, I need to have my eyes open during the actual event. Um, because I'm going to be asked that question at the planning meeting <laughs> in yes. a week's time. Yeah. What help and advice you would perhaps be able to give to a parent or carer who wants to be able to continue this learning journey at home with their children? So, you know, a parent's come to a session, they've had a wonderful time, but so how do they take that back into their home and carry that on? Um, I was just wondering if you had any helpful, useful tips. Because I got these things horribly wrong myself when my own children were growing up, I, I really hesitate to say it <laughs> to suggest things to other parents um, yes. because I was so useless at it myself. But um, what I see, where, I, where I've seen parents and carers who are just brilliant at it, it's, they're the ones who, um, who, who can build build bridges for their children, but not shove the children across the bridge. If you see what I mean, yep. it's about um, you know. Children often have um, the passion of the moment, don't they? Whether that's dinosaurs or colours or um, you know or sounds or you know you know tractors. Um, there's, there's something that. Um, that really switches them on. And, and sometimes it's about helping children to notice um, the links between what goes on in, in church or in the church toddler group, whatever, and, um, and their passion and, and faith. So building the bridges um, and just maybe pointing out something that's, that's their passion or, or picking up on, you know, if it, 
if a child's really getting into learning about colours, you know, and and you've been in a church building, it might be as simple as, as just pointing out that the sun coming through the stained glass windows and the colours it makes on the on the stone floor if you're in that sort of church. Um, and but I think oh, more than anything, it's it's about modelling, isn't it? it, it it's it's over and over again. It's 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 talking about what you've done together, that shared experience that the group has allowed you to have, and that's why I love groups <laughs> because they give yes. you that shared experience as as a family group and as a uh, you know the wider more families meeting together in the household of God. Yes. So you've got this shared experience, and either you can just leave it there, or you can. You can mention it afterwards, and, and and you know, why not say to your child, um, "Where did you see God at work?" And perhaps that takes a little bit of, of um, you know, it won't be obvious at first, uh, maybe, or perhaps for a child, for some children, it's you know, it's really obvious, and they can articulate that straight away. Um, yes. But just building the bridges, I think, without that forcing anybody over the bridges i, I think yes. it's a really lovely thing and and it not underestimating children's imagination um which is oh at our messy church a couple of months ago um, i i was doing a <laughs> an obstacle course about caring for our planet and one of the things was to uh, there were some upturned flower pots, and and the idea was to tiptoe between them because they were the the habitats of different creatures. So you could kick your way through them, or you could tiptoe between them. And I was uh, explaining this to a, a very bright three year old, and his mum said he he is only three. Uh, oh, okay, um, right. Uh, and I I explained it, and he very carefully lifted up one flower pot because I'd said creatures were living underneath them. So he wanted to see what was living underneath them. And I said to his mum, oh, no, I should have put creatures underneath. I never thought that was really stupid. She said, no, you, you really don't need to watch. And she said, the child's name. And she said, um, what's, what's living underneath that flower pot? And he thought, and he said, a lion. <laughs> and then he picked the next one up. He said, a snake and went through 20 flower pots <laughs> describing wow. the creature that lived underneath them completely from his imagination and it, yeah. and it was a total delight for me um yes and, and you know sort of fun for him and a moment for his mum and it was you know something that they could talk about afterwards uh, you know yeah. which linked to the meaning of the game which she would have understood but he wouldn't have straight away. But yes. when she was out in the garden with him, maybe yes. that would be when it came up again. So it's just making the links, building the bridges. <laughs> yes. Lucy, thank you so much. It's been a real privilege to spend time with you this morning and talking about these things. And um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that our discussion will be a huge blessing to, to others who, who are tuning in. So thank you oh, so much. Lovely to be with you, Ian. And, uh, yeah, every blessing. God bless. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ian and Lucy. So instead of our question and answer section today, we're going to hear a reflection from a single mum on how to navigate Father's Day well. Now, it's been sent in anonymously, so I'm going to read it. 
Um, but yeah, I really hope that you'll find this helpful either for yourself or for people in your church and community as we uh, celebrate Father's Day this Sunday. This is what she writes. For me, Father's Day is just one of those days. I appreciate its place for my own dad and I do buy him a card and take him out for a meal. But as a single mum, the day is just not good. It started when my daughter was six. Her own dad lived a long way away and just hadn't mastered the art of being there for her. Contact was loving but sporadic and she was confused and hurt. We went to church on Father's Day. With hindsight, perhaps not the best of decisions. And the well-meaning preacher started waxing lyrical about how our dads were so wonderful. To my horror, her eyes filled with tears and she looked at me, distraught. I saw Red, swooped her up and we left. We've managed Father's Day better since then, mostly by making sure that it's a really low-key event. But it's not easy. My daughter's relationship with her dad is her business and I can't magic it better. We spent lots of time talking through how he does love her, even if he doesn't show it in ways she recognises easily or try to see her. She has a wonderful relationship with her granddad, who has in many ways been a dad to her, but it's still not the real thing. And I've come to realise and had to accept that this is something she will live with for the rest of her life. Kind people in church sometimes try to tell her that she has a heavenly father, as if this is the same as having an earthly dad. But of course it's not. Otherwise, why would God have bothered inventing fathers in the first place? But I've also come to realise it's not the be-all and end-all. We're a single-parent family and my daughter doesn't have a dad. But that is true of millions of people all over the world. I can't really influence her dad's attitude, but I've learned that I can influence lots of other things. There's a couple of verses in Psalm 68 which I come back to time and time again. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. I used to think that meant God would find me a new husband and my daughter a great stepdad. But as time has gone on and that hasn't happened, I've understood things differently. We may be a little family, an incomplete family in a way. But actually, we are rich in friends and have a powerful and loving church family who we are completely a part of, and who love and support us, and we love and support them. I may not be able to influence my daughter's dad, but I can build a rich network of relationships that bring us joy and wisdom, as well as people who are there when we need them. That is church at its best. Thank you so much for sending that in. We really appreciate those thoughts and reflections, as well as your questions. Do keep sending your questions in. Uh, we love exploring those with you and uh, trying to answer them, giving it a perspective. Um, I really hope that Father's Day is a positive experience for you and your family, uh, whether it's something that's a big deal in your house or something that's a really low key event. And that you can be family to the people around you in your church and in your community and support them. We do have a couple of other articles on our website, which we'll post some links to you. Um, particularly looking at how to explain the God the Father when that's a difficult concept, either because the Father is absent or has been abusive or just there's difficult um, circumstances. So we'll pop a link to that in the show notes because I think that could be really useful for some families. Now, as usual, we're going to have a question to ask your kid to start an interesting conversation. So this week, I would love you to ask your kid, for you, in what ways is God like a parent? 
have a great conversation. We'll be back with another episode next Tuesday. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Thank you.